We are in the middle of the Lenten season, and yet many Christians don't know what Lent is all about. Here's Barbara Rainey. Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. Does that make sense? Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. Both of them are times of preparing to celebrate God's intervention on our behalf, the coming of Christ at Christmas, and then the sacrifice and resurrection of Christ at Easter. Both of them are very important holidays, but Easter is the most important. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We'll hear today from Barbara Rainey about what we can do as moms and dads to draw more attention to the most important day of the year, Resurrection Day. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. If any of our listeners are not interested in getting fired up about Easter and the resurrection of Jesus, they ought to go ahead and tune the t- turn this channel somewhere else right now. I'm telling you, this is the greatest season of all. I love Christmas. I think Christmas is fantastic. Obviously, Easter would not be possible had not Christmas come first. But this is the holiday on which all of the Christian faith really pivots. Well, and your, your wife is joining us this week, and, and Barbara, I used to think that Thanksgiving was your favorite holiday. Didn't it used to be your mm-hmm. favorite holiday? Mm-hmm. It did used to be my favorite holiday. But something has happened. But it's not anymore. Why? I still love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a great fun. But I absolutely love Easter because I have come to understand in a way that I didn't years ago what it's all about and how pivotal it is, as Dennis just said, and that without Easter nothing else would matter. We wouldn't have Thanksgiving. We wouldn't have Christmas. We wouldn't have anything because we would still be in our sin and we would have no hope and we wouldn't understand forgiveness and we wouldn't understand love. I mean, it's everything. And so to me, because I've come to understand that Easter is all about everything that God intended, to me, we need to do a better job of celebrating it. Well, it's interesting. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which mm-hmm. is that resurrection chapter. Right. Did um, you look over my shoulder? I did not. <laughs> Paul begins that chapter by saying, this is of first importance. He says, I delivered to you yeah. what is of first importance. And then he goes on and he says, it's the gospel, the mm-hmm. good news. Mm-hmm. And you can summarize the gospel into Jesus died, he was buried, and he was resurrected that's at the heart of our message. Right. He goes on to say, you take that away, we got nothing. Right. He said, if Christ wasn't raised, it, our faith is in vain. Yeah, that's what I was reading. First Corinthians 15, verse 17 through 19. If you haven't read it to your children, to one another as husband and wife, or to a friend, you just ought to remind somebody of this truth. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, empty. Pointless. And you are still in your sins, which means you're still guilty as charged before Almighty God, and you are falling under the wrath of God. And then it goes on to say, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. They don't have eternal life. They died. They went to hell. In verse 19, if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. What's Paul saying there? If Christ did not defeat death, if the resurrection is not a reality, 
then we are without hope. Yeah, we're basing everything on a lie. I mentioned it earlier. All of Christianity pivots mm-hmm. on the reality and the historical fact that Jesus Christ lived, died, rose again, and is seated at the right hand of God. Barbara, you had the opportunity uh, a number of years ago to share with our listeners at an event. You were sharing about your growing burden and passion for the celebration of Easter. And it's interesting to listen back to this because you can see how it's starting to formulate and take shape in your own thinking. Again, this is from a, a few years back as Barbara is connecting with a group of our listeners about why Easter is so important. About a year ago, Dennis and I were listening to a sermon by Tim Keller. Tim Keller is a pastor of a church in New York City, and he had a sermon that was about Psalm 2, and it was about the king. And during the sermon, he quoted this stanza of a hymn, and I had never heard it before. And the stanzas of this hymn go like this that, that I memorized. It says, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. And I just thought, wow, I am coming to the king every time I pray. And so often I come with little things, selfish things, Lord, help me find a parking place, just trivial, dumb stuff, right? But when I heard that that day, I thought, I'm coming to the king, and God wants me to come before him with prayers that are worthy of him. And it's not that he doesn't want us to pray about small things. I still pray about small things. But it lifted my eyes to the magnitude of who he is and what he wants me to do. So after I heard that and I kept thinking about it, I kept saying those verses over and over in my head, I said one day, I said, Lord, what do you want me to pray? What large petitions do you want me to bring before your throne? And I waited for a while, and the first thing that popped into my head was Easter. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to start praying that God would give me the privilege of helping us change the way we celebrate Easter. I'd been thinking about it anyway, but when I heard that, those stanzas out of that hymn, I thought, that's it. I want God to use me and many others to help change the way we celebrate Easter, not only in our country, but around the world. And I'm going to explain to you why I think that's so important. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about the history of Easter and also the um, corresponding holiday of Lent. From this I read in uh, A.W. Tozier's book, he said, to the early Christians, Easter was not a holiday. We think of it as a holiday, don't we? He said it wasn't even a holy day. It wasn't even a day at all to the early Christians. He said instead it was an accomplished fact that lived with them all year long. He said they did not celebrate his rising from the dead and then go back to their everyday lives and wait another year. He said they lived by the fact that Christ had risen from the dead and they had risen with him. That's the way Easter should be celebrated. And when, he, when I read that, I thought, that's what I want. I want to help us in this country find a way to elevate the celebration of Easter because it is the pinnacle of our faith. If it were not for the cross, we would all be lost. We should celebrate it as the important event that it was in our lives. 
I want to tell you a little bit about Lent because Lent is something that I've been recently discovering. I grew up in the Methodist Church. We never talked about Lent. We never celebrated Lent. I had a lot of friends uh, as a child in the Catholic Church, and they celebrated Lent, and it didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand it. But Lent was first sort of instituted many, many, many centuries ago out of the Council of Nicaea in 325, so 300 years after Christ. The church fathers got together and they were writing documents to help clarify people's faith and to put into writing the universal statements and tenets of our belief. And during that council, they wrote a piece about Lent. They wanted to give believers several practical ways for, of, of celebrating church life. It was described as a 40-day time period to mirror Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. And Lent was given to the churches to prepare believers for Resurrection Sunday. Lent also means the lengthening of days. So as we begin Lent, it's still winter time, but by the time we get to Easter, the days are longer. Um, spring has come, so the word Lent also means the lengthening of days. And here's what I want you to remember to think about it. Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. Both of them are times of preparing to celebrate God's intervention on our behalf, the coming of Christ at Christmas, and then the sacrifice and resurrection of Christ at Easter. Both of them are very important holidays, but Easter is the most important. But today, and you all know this just as well as I do, there is a great disparity in the way we celebrate those two holidays, isn't there? A big, big difference. How much time do you spend celebrating and preparing for Christmas? If you'll just think about it, you don't need to give me answers. But more than likely, most people in this room spend days and weeks getting ready for Christmas, decorating for Christmas, shopping for Christmas, cooking for Christmas. Some people spend months, right? When do we start thinking about Christmas? A lot of us start thinking about Christmas in January. We start thinking about our list we find things on sale. I mean, I used to do this, and it was more of a practical matter for me. Ashley, my daughter, does it because it's a practical matter for her. I used to find things on sale, and I'd think, oh, that'd be a great gift for this child, and so I'd buy it, and I'd stick it in a closet. But because of the whole, everything that's wrapped up in the Christmas holiday, we start thinking about it really early. And if you don't start thinking about it in January, you might start thinking about it in June or July. And if not, in June or July, most people for sure in the fall. In other words, the point is, we think about it way before the actual day. By contrast, how much time do we spend thinking about and preparing for Easter? When do you start thinking about and preparing for Easter? If you're like most people, maybe on Palm Sunday, which is seven days before Easter Sunday. Maybe not even until Thursday or Friday before Easter Sunday. Or maybe not at all. Maybe Easter Sunday is just another Sunday. And that to me is really, really sad. I think the modern reality for most of us is we do a little something, we may have a special dinner. Um, if you have kids at home, they get new clothes. Um, you have little Easter baskets or whatever, you go to church and then we come home and life is back to normal watch TV, watch golf, do errands, kids do homework. There's nothing really different about the day in which we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Did you know that Jesus never told us to celebrate his birth? 
He never told us to celebrate his birth. What did he tell us to celebrate? What did he tell us to commemorate and remember? His death, burial, and resurrection. He told us to focus on his sacrifice for us. And what do we do? We get it all backwards, which is so typical, I think, of us as children. We get it all upside down. Interestingly, I did a little bit of research before... um, as I was preparing for this and got on some Bible software real quickly and just looked at how many verses are there in the New Testament that talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ compared to how many that talk about his birth. And I discovered that there were roughly 185 verses that talk about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in the New Testament compared to only 80 about his birth. So the scripture supports the importance of the resurrection over the importance of his birth. Again, you can't have one without the other. But it illustrates that we, as, as his people, we as his children, have gotten it all backwards. There was a poll conducted um, in 2012 asking people some basic questions about Easter. Only 55% correctly identified Judas as the man who betrayed Christ. So only half of the people interviewed correctly knew who Judas was. Another question was about Pontius Pilate. And again, only half of the people correctly knew who Pontius Pilate was. There were some people who thought he was one of Jesus' disciples. And then another question, the response was, um, was really low. There were only 21% of these people interviewed who knew anything about what Good Friday and Easter was. And it's such an illustration, again, that the meaning of Easter has been lost. I think the, if the poll was taken on Christmas, more people would know that Christmas was about Jesus' birthday. I want to encourage you to begin to think about Lent. It's been kind of a new discovery. I've noticed in our church, we go to a Bible church, and our church is beginning to put some emphasis on Lent, and I'm really grateful that they are. For the last two years, we've had a Lent service on uh, Ash Wednesday, and it was a wonderful service. So let me tell you just a little bit about Lent. Sometime after the Reformation, I don't know when, um, but most Protestant churches began to distance themselves from the practice of Lent. Lent was a very integral part of believers' lives from the Council of Nicaea in 325 until sometime after the Reformation. And the Reformation started with Luther when he nailed his 95 theses on the, on the door of the church. So uh, for a long, long time, Lent was an integral part of the church life. And then it kind of began to go away. But as I said before, Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. It's a wonderful time to prepare for the greatest moment in history, the resurrection of Christ. A lot of people give up something for Lent. It's not necessary to do that. But the whole point of Lent is to prepare your heart to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me give you a couple of tips on uh, practicing or what to do with Lent. If you decided you wanna do this and it's a foreign concept, here are a couple of things that might be helpful. It's a time, first of all, to prepare for Resurrection Sunday. Secondly, it's a time for families to grow together spiritually and biblically. We have a product called Messiah Mystery. And if you have children, and even if you don't have children, you might wanna consider doing this. This is a product that we've created uh, for Lent. It's a resource to help you and your family focus in on the need for Jesus Christ. Why did he come? 
Why did he have to die? Why did he have to sacrifice his life on our behalf? And it's simply six sessions that you do once a week. And so you start on Ash Wednesday, and then a week later on the next Wednesday, you can do session two and session three and so on. And it takes you up to uh, Easter Sunday. And what it does is it walks you through the Old Testament. So in session one, it talks about Adam and Eve in the fall and what that meant for us as human beings. And yet how in the very first uh, words that God spoke right after the fall, he, he gave a promise that there would be a Messiah. And then this, another lesson is on the Passover. Another lesson is on um, the temple and all the symbolism in the temple that, in, that hinted at the coming Christ. So it's a way for you in your home to grow together during Lent and build some anticipation for Easter Sunday. Another suggestion on Lent is that many people fast from something during Lent. It doesn't have to be food. I know people who have fasted from Facebook. I know people who have fasted from reading books or it doesn't really matter. The point of it is the reason that that, um, choosing to give something up for Lent is meaningful is because it reminds us that Jesus Christ gave everything for us. And so some people choose to do that because it's a way to remind them on a daily basis for the six weeks of Lent that Jesus Christ gave his all for me and therefore I can sacrifice something for him. And then last, for those people who do choose to fast, Lent is 46 days long. And the reason it's 46 days long and not just 40 is because the church has historically regarded every Sunday as a mini resurrection Sunday. And so Sundays are to be celebrated. Sundays are to rejoice in. Sundays are not a time to fast and to mourn. And so um, if you choose to do that, you fast Monday through Saturday, and then on Sunday the fast is broken, and you celebrate the risen Christ on Sunday, and then again on Monday you would start the fast again. I remember in the years when we had children at home and we were participating in Lenten fasts, and there were nights on Saturday night when we waited up till midnight because then it was Sunday and we <laughs> could, could eat, eat those chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I mean, we were baking them. At 11 o'clock at oh, night. Oh, yeah. How funny. It was a big deal. Well, you, you know, I think God knows that we as human beings, we need to celebrate. And it's clear he had seven different feasts mm-hmm. in the Old Testament that the, the nation of Israel enjoyed to celebrate who God is, what God had done, what God was going to do. In fact... There were three feasts around the issue of Christ's coming and defeating death and resurrection that the Israelites celebrated, one of which was called Passover. I started learning about Passover a few years ago in Bible study, and the significance wrapped up in the Passover celebration, which included two other feasts. The whole group is called Passover. But the symbolism and the prophetic elements that Uh, look forward to Christ are just amazing. And so a year ago, I remember um, I came to Dennis and I said, I think we should go to the local Jewish temple and experience Passover with them because they do it together. They all gather and they do Passover and the rabbi leads them through the Passover experience. And I said, let's go see what that's like. And so we bought our tickets. No, 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 no. (laughs) It was not that simple, Bob. I said, say what? You want to go to a synagogue? And you said? I said, yes, let's do it. I thought, 
wait a second, that's out of my comfort zone here. <laughs> I don't know how synagogue works. Who will be there? Well, the place was packed with families. And I got to tell you, it was a great experience. It really was fun to go do it because it took us back and immersed us into the Old Testament. And the prophets who told about Christ coming in advance and all the imagery and really portions of the Passover feast that pointed to Christ really at one point in the service. I have to tell you, I was sitting there going, well, Jesus stood up at a synagogue and in a temple and proclaimed who he was. Yeah. Maybe I can do that. You're not Jesus. Dennis. I'm not You're Jesus. Not. And I had that thought, Bob. I thought, you know what? I didn't grow up there. That's right. Jesus had grown up in the synagogue. He'd been there. He had reasoned with them. They he had knew. relationships. They, he right. did have relationships. But I thought, my goodness, all of this proclaimed who Christ is, that he's come and he died and he rose again and he's coming back. You guys need to listen up. But uh, I didn't say anything, but I was so glad we went to that because it really gave us a sense of our biblical roots around a very common celebration for Christians here in our country. And I think if you've never been to a synagogue or to a temple, maybe it's time to venture out during Passover and see if you experience what I experienced. Well, at the center of the celebration of Passover was the lamb who was mm -hmm, slain. Mm -hmm for the forgiveness of sin. Well, one of the things that's so interesting about Passover is that the story comes out of Exodus when the children of Israel were in Egypt, and God commanded them to um, get a lamb. Every family had to get a lamb, and they kept the lamb. And then on the 14th of the month, that lamb was then killed and sacrificed for their sins. And they did that for the first time in Egypt the night before Pharaoh let them go. And one of the things, if your family has ever watched the movie The Ten Commandments, one of the things that is so memorable about that movie, one of many things, is they show the Israelites literally with a bowl of blood and some kind of a brush, and they paint it on their doorways. First of all, it's an illustration of Easter. It's a clear picture of what Christ did for us. He shed his blood for us so that we would be passed over, which is where the word Passover comes from. But a fun exercise for families is to actually pretend to do that. So go out to your front door. And I've done this at our house. You can buy washable finger paint in red, and you can literally paint it around your door, and it will wash off. I did it, and it'll come off even if you're door frame is painted white, or you could get a red ribbon or a red sash and hang it over your door on the night of Passover and or on Good Friday, because that's when Christ died was on Passover, on the actual Passover day that year. So it's a way to bring the two feasts together practically today with our families, to bring Passover into our present day Easter experience. You've got a resource you've created called Behold the Lamb, where you have printed eight cards, each one using one of the I am names of Jesus from the Gospel of John, and each one designed to be read on a different day during Holy Week with the last one on Resurrection Sunday. And throughout the week, these cards can be displayed in your home on a chain garland that you've created with an I am in the middle of it. It really is a beautiful resource, and it's something that I wish our listeners could see I guess, in fact, they can see it if they go to familylifetoday.com and look at the uh, Ever Thine Home resources that you've created. In addition to the Behold the Lamb resource, there is the uh, He is Risen banner that you hang on your front door. 
And on one side, it has a lamb, and it says, I am the resurrection and the life. And on Easter morning, you flip it over, and there's a crown, and it says, he is risen. Go to familylifetoday.com if you'd like to see what Barbara has been working on. And again, all of these resources uh, have the same goal in mind. You want to see us more focused, more aware, more thoughtful about the Easter holiday as we prepare for it and as we celebrate it on Resurrection Sunday. Our website, again, is familylifetoday.com. You can see all that Barbara has been working on there. Or if you have any specific questions or would like to place an order by phone, call 1-800-FL-TODAY, and someone on our team can help you with any questions you have. And, you know, this really syncs up with what listeners have told us over the years they are are looking for from us because they have said that the spiritual training and equipping and formation of their children is their number one parenting priority and the number one thing that they want help with. And so we try regularly to provide practical, biblical help and hope for your marriage, for your family, for you as parents as you're raising your children, the resources we're creating, these radio programs, the articles we have online, all of it is designed to help your home stay centered in Christ. And we appreciate those of you who partner with us in this endeavor and help us reach more and more families every year by supporting the ministry of Family Life Today. Every time you support this ministry, you're making it possible for more moms and dads, more husbands and wives to get the kind of practical biblical help and hope that you hear on this program every day. So a special thank you to our legacy partners for your regular support. It makes a big difference here at Family Life. And if you can help with a donation today, we'd love to send you as a thank you gift a set of resurrection eggs, a dozen plastic eggs designed to help your children or grandchildren better understand the last week in Jesus' life from his triumphal entry all the way through to his resurrection. That's our thank you gift when you go online to make a donation at familylifetoday.com or when you call and donate at 1-800-FL-TODAY. Or you can request a set of resurrection eggs when you mail your donation to Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas. Our zip code is 72223. Tomorrow we'll talk more about how we can make Easter a bigger deal in our homes and with our families. I hope you can join us for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.